biggest claim to fame is that I'm married to Karen Ellis. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, we go places, uh, sometimes we do conferences together, and I, I am her, her opening act, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay. Um, first of all, before I get started, anybody here Ukrainian, from a Ukrainian background, anybody? Okay. All right, all right. I just want you to know that today I'm Ukrainian. Okay? All right, all right. So uh, we, uh, we stand with you and all that, especially for the, 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 the people of God in, 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 uh, in uh, Ukraine. My wife spent some time there, believe it or not. She speaks Ukrainian. So when, next time you have her speak, ask her to say some, some words in Ukrainian. I don't know any Ukrainian. Okay. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 16 through 32. Um, you should be familiar with this. And I quote, Again the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and by their actions. So I poured out my wrath on them because they had shed blood in the land because they had defiled it with their idols. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land. I had concern about my, concern about my holy name, which the house of Israel has profaned among the nations where they had gone. Therefore, say this to the house of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you are profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name that you are profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. And then verse 24, for I will take you out of the nations and I will gather you from the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and make you clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave to your forefathers and you will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all of your uncleanliness and I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. I will increase the fruit trees and the crops of your field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace among the nations because of famine. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord Almighty. So who is he doing it for? He's doing it for his whole name. I want to call your attention to... Uh, Verse 21, God said, I had concern about my holy name, which the house of Israel profaned among the nations. And another one is Chronicle, 2 Chronicles 7.14. 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Notice the name of God. And I want you to think with me around the subject today. What's in a name? What's in a name? When a loving father or a parent gives a child a spanking, I know that's politically incorrect today, but when you become parents, you'll understand the need for sometimes applying the Board of Education to the seat of the problem. <laughs> you, you will say, you will probably say something like this. This is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, okay? And with both of my kids, whenever I would tell them, I'd say, oh, Dad, please don't hurt yourself. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, when God disciplines his people, he in, in essence says the same thing. Have you ever thought about that? If, if you are one of God's people and God disciplines you, it hurts God more than it hurts you. In this passage, we see two questions. First, how did God's people end up scattered among the nations? And the second question, why was God so determined to restore his people to the land he had promised them? So let's look at that first question. How did God's people end up scattered among the nations? Ezekiel had told Israel that they had defiled their land in two ways. First, through bloodshed. They were killing babies on pagan altars, burning them to death on the altar of Molech. They were guilty of injustice. Uh, they were especially hard on what I would call the, the unfortunate quartet. quartet the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, and the poor. And the orphan were the, the fatherless. They did this by conspiracies, oppression, violence, and greed, etc. They also defiled the land through idolatry. And of course, when you worship idols, it leads to all those other things. They defiled every aspect, it defiled every aspect of the people's lives and, and the community uh, was drawn away from the true and living God. They dragged them down in perversions of every kind. And God repeatedly warned them that if they continue their destructive past, then they would them then be scattered among the nations. And being a good father, <laughs> God was very concerned that his people be restored to right relationship with them. You know, being a good father, being a good parent, if you threaten to carry out something with your kids, you got to do it. Sometimes you might figure out another way to do it, but you got to do it. And he was so concerned that he carried out his threat, like a good father, to scatter them. And he made them learn the hard way how important it was for them to follow his ways. Now, here's what happens in this passage, you see. God laid his reputation on the line to discipline his people. Think about that. In the ancient Near East, a, a nation was uh, uniquely tied to the land and uniquely defined by the land. And if a people was forced to leave the land, it was a demonstration that the God or gods it worshipped were not strong enough to protect them. So when God scattered them among the nations, they said, oh, you're God. 
is weak. It didn't matter if they were forced out by invasion, famine, economic sanctions, disease, whatever. Therefore, when God scattered Israel among the nations, the nations concluded that God was weak, that God was a wimp, and in my neighborhood we'd say, and God was a chump. And thus the name of God was profaned, ruined, and slandered. Imagine the kind of pressure the Babylonians put on Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They said, look, look, forsake Yahweh. He's weak. He couldn't even protect his own temple. Submit to the strong gods of Babylon because our gods are strong because we are strong. It must have been very important for God that his people be, be called by his name to imitate God and to obey him. It was so important to discipline Israel that God even allowed his own holy name to be profaned among the nations. They were called Yisrael, meaning he who prevails with God and man. They were called Judah, which means praise the Lord. So wherever they went, they carried the name of God with them. In the Old Testament times, a person's name was the same as his person, his being. You say, praise be the name of the Lord. You're saying, praise be the Lord. And so whenever, wherever they went, they profaned God's person with their actions. And the nations they were scattered to profaned God's person with their ridicule. I think of uh, Psalm 37, uh, 137, where, where the Israelites are told to provide the entertainment to be the minstrels for the onlooking Babylonians. Sing us one of your songs. They said, how can we sing in a foreign land? You read that. And so they went on strike. <laughs> they hung their harps on the trees. They said, we can't participate in this. Second question, why was it so important for God to bring his people back to the land? Well, first of all, they were called by God's name, if my people who are called by my name. And God would not let his name be profaned forever. Think about this. If you are called by God's name, if you belong to God today, if you belong to Christ, you are called by his name. And his name, because of his name, he will see through it, through you, through everything that he promises. Not for your name, but for his. God will restore his people, not for their sake, but for his name's sake. And in restoring the people, God will demonstrate to the nations that he is the only true God. And that the God who deals with his people, he deals with them with pure grace. The restoration of the people would be so complete that they would not only return from the nations, but they'd be cleansed from their sin. They would be empowered by the Spirit of God and they would enjoy prosperity. And in this restoration that God talked about, it was much more than what happened under Zerubbabel, Ezra, or Nehemiah. God was also speaking about the ultimate 
uh, restoration under the Messiah, the coming Messiah. And this includes us. Christ was an Israelite, the seed of Abraham. And in Christ, we inherit all of God's promises made to Abraham. If we're in him, we carry his name. Think about that, though. And when we mess up, we profane his name. God's name is still profaned among the nations of our day by our actions or lack of actions, by our besetting sins, by the ridicule of others. And thus, God has promised when we're down and out, he promised to restore us, to vindicate his name among the nations today. And therefore, as I look at the history of the church in this country, and I see how we, we allowed ourselves to fall into cultural captivity. It's one thing to engage culture. When you engage the culture, you affirm it where it's right and you critique it where it's wrong. And let the ships fall where they may. I think about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They are standing there and told to bow before the statue. They engaged the culture. They said, hey, yeah, we speak Babylonian. We, knew, we know all the stuff. We got our degree from UBAB. <laughs> what about this thing we're going to bow to? No, we're not going to do it. We want to make it very clear we're not going to do that. And of course, old Nebuchadnezzar said, well, y'all are going to burn for that. They said, so be it. But I don't see that kind of courage a lot of times when I see, see a look at American Christianity. We, 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 we don't critique the culture. We fall into cultural captivity. When we fall into cultural captivity, we find ourselves participating in cultural sin. And eventually, we lose the ability to even discern that we are participating in sin. It's one of the reasons, perhaps, why people don't like Christianity too much. Well, because we carry God's name, we have nothing to fear in standing up for justice, for right, no matter what it costs us. I think back on the experience of my people, and I look, and three great themes run throughout. The quest for dignity, identity, and significance. These three things are contained within the name of God. The name of God gives us dignity, identity, and significance. Whatever my identity is, oh, I like my identity. But some parts of my identity are not right. But the name of God filters out the mess and affirms the good stuff. And let me say this. I hope you've noticed in the last few years that there's been an increasing hostility towards Christianity in this country. So be it. I just want you to know that if you really bear the name of God and if you really follow Jesus, then you are a distinct cultural minority. You are not the establishment. You are the subversives. And you will suffer for it. And even if you fail, you bear God's name, and God will restore you.
not for your sake, but for his. We have connections with God because we're called by God's name. I think about Isaiah 41, verses 8 through 10. And God says, uh, but you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, right? And watch this. You are descendants of Abraham, and Abraham was my friend. If you bear the name of Christ, you descend from Abraham, and Abraham was God's friend, and you have connection with him. And the connection is that God has blessed you with giving you his name. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall, I, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his namesake. Not because of you, but because you bear his name. And you know, if you really understand the depth of that, you know, you, you, you think, you know, why are these courageous people over in, uh, in Ukraine fighting for their freedom? Do we have that same kind of tenacity to fight for righteousness? We have nothing to lose. Listen to Habakkuk. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, though when I'm about to finish my term paper, my computer crashes and I lose it all. That's a little verse I put in there. I'm, I'm a redactor, you know. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. And he enables me to go to the heights. What's in a name? Everything. If it's the name of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, so much for uh, your word, for the challenge you give us in your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us the courage to stand for what is right. regardless of the circumstances. I pray that you will give us a consciousness that we together are a cultural minority, a distinct cultural minority, that we're not the establishment. We are the, the green berets. We are the Navy SEALs of the coming order, name, namely your kingdom. We pray that you will give us that outlook, for we ask in Jesus' name, amen.